welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of HEL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. and welcome to Kitty Talks. Today we have with us Sarah Fick. Hi Sarah. Hi Kitty. Sarah is a transformational health and well-being coach and what I love about Sarah is her work focuses on the mind-body connection and how we create our experience from our state of mind. So we are going to talk to Sarah for the next oh, 45 minutes to an hour and find out all about her transformational journey. So Sarah, welcome. Oh, thank you, Kitty, and thanks for inviting me. No, not at all. When I read, you kind of came on my radar a few months back, and when I had to, had a look at your website and what you did in the world, it totally resonated with me. So um, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about you and your work. So can you explain to the audience uh, what it is that you do in the world? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> or many things. <laughs> yeah. How do I sum it up? Um, normally, how... I explain it to people. Well, I'll give a bit of my background that might be helpful to start with. So um, I I was chronically ill 10 years ago and um, I had ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. And I was was working in a marketing role at the time and I had an interest in nutrition already and I'd, I kind of got to the point where I wasn't really getting answers from doctors. And so a light bulb went on, like, I'm, I'm the person that's responsible for my own health and um, checking, checking in with my body. And, and really, it was my early 30s, and that was a massive wake-up call. And so... I got interested in nutrition and uh, the naturopathic approach because I'd, I'd already seen something in it and that was the logical place for me to go for answers. And so I completely immersed myself and over a journey of somewhere between two and four years because with an illness like that, it's difficult. It's not like a broken leg where there's a point at which you're not walking and a point at which you're walking again. It was a very gradual recovery. But everything I learned was just, it really was like a waking up for me. Um, I feel like I didn't live consciously up until my 30s. And so um, I retrained. It was kind of like, how does the world not know about this? Why are there so many people struggling? Um, That, yeah, so really after years of working in marketing and 
uh, degree at university and diploma in marketing and my whole life just took a completely new direction and 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 then on top of that I I realized there was a lot more and I was working with clients and then I realized there was a, a lot more to what was going on with people's health than just their physical health and even when people were getting better I could still see that they weren't having a great day-to-day experience of life. They were still caught up with money worries or relationship worries or parenting problems. So so I started to look at the state of mind side and how that plays into the body and how the body chemically reacts. Um, And so that's how I came to be what I call a transformational coach because I I wanted to work with people and give them... uh, all the tools and a complete a complete fix um, in terms of what what they were experiencing or where they were stuck in their lives and invariably kind of it's across the scale really I, I work with people who are very chronically ill either um, things like cancer or chronic fatigue syndrome or MS you know severe digestive disorders but I also work with people who are chronically ill in terms of bipolar, depression, anxiety. What's so interesting is that I can see so clearly that people who are chronically ill tend to be caught up a lot in other areas of their life in their thinking. Right. Not like, and when I look back on my experience of, of ill health, um, I can see so clearly now with everything I've learned in the last 10 years that, yeah, I was physically very unwell and the nutrition played a huge part in helping get my body back into balance and and uh, redressing any nutrient deficiencies and properly feeding and nurturing my body probably for the first time in my life. But also I can see looking back on that period of time, I had such a busy mind and I was so caught up in in, uh, ideas and thinking around what it meant to be a parent, um, what relationships were supposed to look like. It it, it was everything. It was basically everything. Looking back, I can see that I struggled in most areas of my life. Um, And was that because you weren't, like you had these set ideas around how you should behave as a parent or like, Explain to me kind of a bit more about this. This is really delving into the depths of what it is that I teach. And I'll do my best to try and explain it in the short time we've got together. The best way I can describe it is that uh, when when you get up on any given day, you can be in any number of moods. If you get up on a day and you're in a good mood, it doesn't matter what happens in that day. It just, the day just seems to flow and go beautifully. And it's like everyone you speak to is in a good mood. Traffic seems really easy. Um, you just, it's that feeling of being in flow, isn't it? We've all mm-hmm. experienced it. And then there are other days where we can get up and we just, we wish we hadn't even turned the alarm off and gotten out of bed. And on those days, just everything seems like a drudge. Everyone seems in a bad mood go our way well what's really interesting is what I teach is a new paradigm in psychology 
And what this paradigm points to is the fact that it looks like what we're experiencing on that good or bad day is what's going on out there. Like the people we come into contact with, what the traffic's like, what the weather's like, what our work is like. And actually, it has nothing to do with that. And this is what this is what's so fascinating. This is the, the biggest illusion since the beginning of time. Mm. Okay. Now, when I was unwell, when I thought my feelings were coming from my circumstances, it looked like I had to have lots of strategies to deal with all those circumstances. So control was my flavor, like just control, control, control. Just have strategies for everything that you thought were making you feel not so good. But of course, when we realize that our feeling is coming from us, Mm. whatever filter we're wearing when we get up in the morning it's like wearing an invisible pair of glasses that don't they don't tell you they're there but everything you look at you look at through that filter so if you get up on any given day and you're feeling anxious or worried everything you look at is going to look like a problem but of course the glasses the filter doesn't declare itself Mm. and it looks really real now even knowing what I know and learning about this for the last two and a half years, um, having um, done lots of training, having mentors, coaches, you know, I've spent tens of thousands learning about this. Um, and it has profoundly changed my experience of life. And it has profoundly changed the experience of everyone I work with. And what's so incredible about it is that like if people are struggling with one specific area mm-hmm. and when we start working together, because you're dealing with the mechanism of what creates your experience, your state of mind, they find everything in their life gets better. And I'll give an example. So mm-hmm. um, a lady I started working with in June last year, yeah, she came to one of my day workshops. Um, she's followed me for years. Uh, she was originally interested in the nutrition side of it, um, and that's still a side I'm very passionate about. But this, this to me, is what creates the transformational change. Like seeing that how we think we experience life is actually not what we've been led to believe, either very innocently by society, parents, teachers, um, significant people as we grow up. And, and so for this lady... Uh, she's in her 50s and she's carried a label of bipolar for 35 years. Yes. And tried every treatment under the sun, including things as extreme as electric shock treatment. So she heard something on the workshop that day, and then we ended up by working together and did a two-day intensive. So I take, you know, there are lots of different ways I work with people. But so we go off to a quiet place for two and a half days to, to explain how it is that we really do experience day-to-day life and that doesn't come from a mastering model or working it out or it comes it's an insight-based model so what I do is I quieten people down so that they can see it themselves because it's like anything that that we do um if that's why people struggle with diets it's why people struggle to give up smoking they have to have an insight it has to make sense to them so I'm not asking people to take my word for it. Mm. Um, 
it's something that I saw for myself um, after my first weekend training of looking at this. I came away with the quietest mind I think I've ever had. Quietest mind? Yeah, just this super blissed out state. I used to meditate. I don't anymore because there's a difference, isn't there? There's the act of meditation and the art of meditation. The act of meditation is when go to do something to create that meditative state. Yeah. Whereas for me now, I, I go into that state, in and out of that state all day, every day. So did this... This yeah. now I've been really intrigued about this lady. So what she's had an insight into how she was. So I took out. her away for yeah, I took her away for two days. Um, we start to reorder how they experience life, and they see something for themselves. And at the end of that two days, she said to me, "I don't, I don't even think I'm bipolar." Now, sadly, once you have that label, yeah, have it for life. But in real terms. And what's been so fascinating, the reason we did that two-day intensive is because she said, I can really see there's something here, but I, I want to learn faster. Um, and between September and December, she had a long history of being admitted to hospital that time of year and, you know, to having to put people on drugs. And she always struggled with that time of year. So we did the intensive in the September. And what's been so amazing, uh, we're still working together we still meet online um two or three times a month is that parent parenting for her has become so much easier um loving intimate relationships have become so much easier her business is turning over more money now than it has done in in a long time and she's just she's just finding life really easy so, you know we talk about i've talked about that day that's the tricky one where everything just seems like mm. road. The one where we're in flow, what happens is that people spend more days being in flow. And that's been my personal experience and that of my clients as well. So mm. everything just gets easier. It's like because you're dealing with the mechanism of what creates your experience, it just it can't not affect everything in your life. And that's why for, for me as well, like my my relationship with my husband's the best it's ever been in 17 years. I've never found parenting so enjoyable and easy. Um, my business now is doing things I could I, I could never even have imagined three, four years ago. As we talked about it before. Mm. You know, I was interviewed by Anita Morjani on Hay House Radio a couple of weeks ago. You know, when I see what's possible when we clear away that busy mind and that's available for everybody and I know that's why we came to talk today yeah resonate that there's nothing special about me like this is this is possible for everybody because I know we can fall into oh but that wouldn't work for me or I wouldn't see it or I and, and the reason it works for everybody is because we're born that way like we're all born knowing that we're feeling thought in the moment, like that all of our experiences come from thought in the moment. You see it with children, they move in and out of moods really quickly. Mm. If you ever see a child ruminate and having sleepless nights, age three or four, <laughs> no. it doesn't happen. But you see, you see, as we get older, we pick up contaminated thinking and these habits where 
we find it harder to default back to that clear mind. You know, you see it in the toddler where they can get upset and they'll snap out of it. You know, if they just left, they'll snap out of that move really quickly. Mm. Um, and that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to move in and out of what I call our human experience of all of and I'm not rating this as oh, it's always about having a good mood. It's not. It's understanding where your feelings are coming from. Like when you understand where your feelings are coming from, life gets so much easier. Because, of course, if you think your feelings are coming from everything in the world out there, you need lots of strategies to cope. That's really tiring. That's why I ended up with chronic fatigue. Mm. Well, as in my own experience, what you know, what I can relate to what you're saying is when I realised that I had a choice <laughs> around the reaction that I had with things that were happening in my life, you know, rather than being on that automatic autopilot of, oh my goodness, this has happened, it's like the end of the world, or you know, something uh, is causing me distress. When I kind of separated myself out from my thoughts. Um, and realized that I had a choice whether to go into those, into that pattern almost, I found that incredibly freeing because like you said, I could see it for what it was and it wasn't necessarily something I had to engage with. Mm. And, it, and it's fascinating, Katie, as you say, though we think we, we are those thoughts, we're not. It's like we have 60 to 100,000 thoughts a day. Now, I know some people use affirmations and positive thinking, but actually, that's that's missing the point because uh, that's even more tiring. I tried that <laughs> a few years back. It, it'll work for a bit doing affirmations, and I, you know, I used to use it to good effect. But there comes a point where you can't keep controlling your thoughts, and and the point to recognise is that it's almost not relevant because when you understand the mechanism of the thought creation. And that it's not telling you anything about your circumstances. Like, if I get up on a, a certain day and I'm not in a great mood, I can think that I need to change my relationship, um, that my children are a problem, that my job is no good, that, you know, we all have days where we get up and we don't feel great. And if we start to look at the outside to mend the way we're feeling, that can, that can be pretty catastrophic for our life. But when we understand that, when we're not feeling great, it's not telling us anything about our circumstances. It's only ever telling us what's running through our thoughts in that moment. That's all it's ever telling us. Now, I'm not saying I don't get caught out by it. I, you know, I know people that have been teaching this for 40 years. And the whole point is, you're always going to get caught out by it because we're having this human experience. But what, what's happened for me and, and all of the other people that teach this is that even when you're in a low mood and you're not feeling so great, mm. I have a sense of peace underlying it now that I know I'm creating it, that I'm not at the mercy of the world out there. Whereas when I was very ill, I used to think I was at the mercy of the world out there. And what's very different? What advice, you know, someone is listening to us talking now and maybe they have been given a label of some description, like you said, bipolar, ME. You know, there's unfortunately too many labels, AHD that we give people, children. Um, 
what advice would you have for them? Because maybe they, at the moment, they can't see which way out. You know, they can't find a way out and they're struggling with it. Well, it's really interesting because they, I would imagine a lot of people like I was. I, I've always been an avid reader researcher. You know, I always have about six books on my bedside table and I listen to podcasts and things all the time. And when I was unwell, I thought the answers were in information. Like that's what we all do, isn't it? We look for more information and more information. But who ever told us that actually the opposite is true? You know, I'll give an example. Um, I think I, I, I talk about it in one of my audios that, of course, there's a place for the intellectual mind. Like if you're going to train to be a bomb disposal expert, you want to know what you're doing. Like you want to know which wire to cut. But equally, when you're in that moment of making that decision, like in this really stressful situation where you're trying to defuse the bomb, equally, you want someone with a really quiet mind doing it, don't you? That can think clearly. Mm. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that we think that information is the answer to all of our problems. But actually, when it comes to having a great experience of life, being happy, uh, living in flow comes from the opposite. It comes from having a really quiet mind. It's looking in the other direction. So I'll give, I'll give another example. So um, my husband and I argue less and less these days. I wouldn't even say we ever argue now, but it's so interesting that it just doesn't make sense now it's not like I have to work at it. It just doesn't make sense to ever get into an argument anymore because I know that when I'm upset, it's because of what's running through my thought and actually has nothing to do with him. Like you can, and this, this was one of my early insights. It was, oh, so it's like we're all watching a different movie. Like nobody experiences my husband the same as I do. He doesn't experience himself the same as I do. I'm never going to have a pure relationship with him because I'm always experiencing him through thought. And through your filters. Yeah. Always through your filter of thought. Mm. You can't even have an experience without thought. It's not possible. So, of course, when you, when you start to see this, the mind just really quiets down. And you become a lot more productive and decisions are a lot clearer to make. Um, and so in terms of anyone looking, wanting to look in this direction, the first thing I would do is drop, drop the label. Like even long before I learned about this paradigm, I was always very conscious of anyone who sat in front of me. They might initially come to me with a label of what was going on for them. But I never saw that label. I saw them, I saw through the label all the time and just worked with the person in front of me, never the label. Mm. Because, you know, I could have 20 people come to me with chronic fatigue syndrome and all of them would have uh, a different life experience, would have different places they're caught up. So, of course, the way I would deal with them would be completely unique to them. And this is where the health system fails us. It pushes us in the other direction. Um, 
you know, it's like last night I went to a talk at my children's school and found it heartbreaking because it was a clinical psychologist who um, very innocently, again, she's had tons of training, but... Um, conditioning, you mean? <laughs> I said conditioning. Yeah. and where she was talking about signs of ill health in children and, and symptoms. And, and I looked at them all and I'm like, myself and everyone I know could display those symptoms. It's like if you look at the, the symptoms of bipolar. Everyone's mm. got them, yeah. Um, so it's seeing, and, and this is what I love, it's about, see, when you understand that your experience is always thought in the moment, and that means you become more and more present. And again, this is not a to-do. This is a this is a byproduct. You just become more and more present. And what happens when you become more and more present is that you can't you can't bring labels in when you're present because that's bringing judgments and memories and opinions in from the past. When you're in the moment, like. Children are the perfect example. Children will, they are the most present creatures on the planet. <laughs> like, they will let you know if you're not being present with them. They'll spot it a mile off. And that beautiful connection you have with them when you are super present, you just, you can't beat it. And if you can bring that into every relationship you have, it's so transformational. Like, I, you know, I still have days where my husband drives me mad. Well, it looks like my husband drives me mad. I know I'm creating it. Yeah. Even the illusion is still there. Yeah. But I'm still in wonderment that even after 17 years, I can get up on any given day and I can just be super curious about who he is because I know I don't really know him. And this, this speaks volumes about this understanding that people that have been teaching this for, you know, 30, 40 years, and I would say the same when I've been working with people in difficult relationships where they're about to leave, I've said, look, just hold on for one month. And by the end of that month, their relationship looks completely different. Mm. And this is why this has a between 80 and 90% success rate in in, in saving relationships whereas traditional counseling has about 10 percent success rate which mm. kind of volumes doesn't it yeah and, and I do completely understand what you're referring to because I think it's so easy in a relationship to go into your pattern of you think you know what the other person's going to say and you think you know what the other person's going to behave and you know Matt and I have practiced this ourselves when we just you know like it's that curiousness if you stay in that curiousness and you're really present with that other individual you see things that you haven't seen before um, and it's staying in that real present state is in is beautiful it's like like you said blissful yeah and you know the other thing I would say for anyone who's listening that's an entrepreneur the more present you are the more creative you become like for me in the last six months I've probably done more work and created more projects than would have taken me maybe five years before. And is that because you're a clearer channel? Do you think that the yes. ideas are coming through to you? Completely. Completely. We know it. If we, if we reflect and think about where we have our really great ideas, like focus groups and meetings, we know 
are the worst place for people to have ideas, aren't they? Yes. Like we all have ideas out walking the dog, having a shower. Mm. It's when the mind is really quiet and that that creativity just pops up. Mm. And and it's so interesting because my daughter came to, uh, she's 12, and she came to one of my talks just before Christmas. And uh, I was talking with a lady about um, how sometimes you can feel really busy, but actually at the end of the day, you haven't got anything done. And reflecting on what is it that creates that feeling of busyness, it's in your head. Like There's a difference between being busy physically and being busy mentally, quite often we can confuse the two. Um, and we were talking about how much less productive we are when you know, we have a busy mind, lots of circulating thoughts. And my daughter must have heard something because the following morning, so it was a bit of a late night for her because of the talk, and um, the following morning she was 45 minutes late up for school than she normally would be. But she was ready 15 minutes early and she turned around to me and she went, she commented, she said, that's amazing, mum. Like, I was up late and yet I'm ready early. Yeah, amazing how quickly stuff gets done when you're super peaceful and you're just in flow. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's too easy to be not present and scattered and all over the place rather than focused and centred. So I yeah, so for me, I just my my passion is really to get this information out there for everybody because I haven't had one client that this hasn't impacted them in a great way, really great way. And do you one of the things that we highlight here um, with Kitty Talks is sharing inspirational life stories. Like, can you see a pattern now that goes back through your life, kind of leading you to where you are today? Yeah, I can. And it, it's interesting. It's, I kind of touched on it when I said that when we're born, like, we're, we're born with a really clear mind. Like, as I said, toddlers and, and young children, they are mentally so healthy, aren't they? And we can start to pick up what I call scripts or contaminated thinking as we go through the years. Now, our, our propensity towards doing that is has a lot to do with the environment that we're in and um, picking up habits from significant people in our lives. So i give an example. So as a child, I'm sure we're all super grateful that our parents taught us how to cross the road safely. But then there are other things that are not so helpful, but we can't define which ones are helpful and which ones aren't. So uh, obviously one that's very close to my heart is food. So, for example, if you've grown up in a house where, you know, mum and dad have said you always have to finish everything on your plate, mm -hmm. uh, labelling good food, bad food, you know, the classic is eat your vegetables and then you get a dessert. Um, people use food for comfort or punishment or reward. Interesting. So, yeah, so that area of food is a massive one. And so it's many people have caught up thinking about that. I could tell, I'm just sorry, I just had an aha then. Because, of yeah. course, it's like, 
you know, that's you associate that as good or you associate that as bad. Whereas actually we're we're defining things and tagging things that we don't even need to, that they shouldn't have labels. Yeah, food is neutral. This is it. Energy. Yeah, this is it. I mean, I worked with a woman, um, she was in her 60s, and she came to me because she had a thyroid problem and she had two different books that were supposed to diet for thyroid disease and she'd had a food allergy test and she was all in tears and she was saying, well, this one says I can't eat this, but I like eating this and then I'm supposed to eat that, but I know I react to that. She was looking outside of herself for answers. And the relief on her face when she saw, when we were talking, she saw for herself that actually she was the expert on what she needed to eat. And when she was quiet enough, she would see that for herself. But when we constantly look for information outside of ourselves and try and copy what's worked for someone else, we're getting further away from that quiet mind for insight, for seeing it for ourselves. So, of course, that whole process as we grow up, so um, it can be around food, it can be around relationships, it can be around money. Money's another really big one. You'll find that the area where people are most stuck is where they have the most amount of thinking without question. Like we all know people who find it really easy to make money and very little thinking around it. We all know people who are in really healthy, easy relationships, very little thinking around it. So for me, I see in my pattern is that I just picked up all of this contaminated thinking through my years. Mm. And what happens is that when we... Okay, we all know when we have a thought, it has a reaction in the body. You know, if we blush or even a sexual thought, anything, we know it has a physical reaction in the body. So it makes sense that any thought that we're having is going to do something biochemically within the body. Now, when we believe that our feelings are coming from the world out there and are not self-created from our own thought, like you can't even... You can't even have a feeling without a thought. It's not possible. But when we start to think that our feelings are coming from the world out there, we're constantly causing that fight or flight chemical reaction in the body. And then that's what happened to me. I burnt out. Just completely burnt out. So this like, is really intriguing me because I agree with you. I think we have certain areas that we're stronger or weaker in. You know, personally, minus money has never been a problem. It just seems to flow. But food and health, oh, my goodness, like a yo-yo. Like, <laughs> And what you were saying then really resonated with me because I have a lot of contaminated thinking probably in that area. So I grew up with a lot of rules around this is good, this is bad, you can only have this on a Friday, you can't do this, you can't, you know, like... Um, and consequently, I think that's taken forward into my journey because I can relate exactly to what you're saying. Like, it's I find that challenge because I, you know, I tend to find too much. There's too much going on. I don't know what's true and what's not. And it's mm-hmm. external rather than what you're saying is we bring it back to it being internal and feel what feels right for us, I, I think. 
Yeah, completely. And can I share a story? That Please do, because I'm having breakthroughs here in our conversation. So. so, so obviously, I used to have a lot of contamination thinking growing up. Like you, it was never around money. Um, for me, it was relationships, absolutely mm-hmm. relationships. But for whatever reason, thank goodness, I've been blessed that um, very little thinking around food. And my son, uh, who's now 10, he has, I can only reflect on this now, knowing what I know now. Um, And I was just really intrigued by it growing up. There was a period of time when he was a toddler where he would just go to the fridge and eat raw carrots like there was no tomorrow. And then I discovered he was low in beta carotene and vitamin A. Wow, his body was telling him what he needed. Yeah, and then when he was five, um, I served him a a lunch of finger foods, and one of them was cherry tomatoes. And he said, Mum, I don't like cherry tomatoes. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. It's the first time I've heard that. Um, Now, some parents would say, Yes, you do, you've always liked them, or you have to eat what's on your plate, or, you know, it's coming into summertime now, which it was, and tomatoes are very high in lycopene, which help protect the skin. So it's that thing again of the, the messages out there, isn't it? Like, oh, but tomatoes are good for you in the summer because of X, Y, Z. And it's the same way that my children say, used to, they don't say it anymore, but they used to say when they were younger, mom, what's the one healthiest food that you can eat? There's no such thing. Because even if you picked something and you had that thing over and over again, it wouldn't be good for you. And we're also different that what might be good for one person might not be good for another. But what was so fascinating about my son is that even at age five, um, so we went, we went to see a, a practitioner about something a few weeks later, and she said, oh, he's really high in histamine. And I was like, bingo, what tomatoes high? Histamine. Oh, wow. Had he ever read a book on it? Of course no. he had. He's he just... Tuned in he to what he likes. Really quiet around food, really intuitive. Yeah. And it, there's nothing special about him. Uh, that's there for all of us. And this is what I'm pointing to again and again and again, is that when we're really quiet, we get in tune with what's right for us. You know, like last year, I just turned around to my husband and went, oh, I've been vegetarian for six months. Like, I didn't set out to do that. That's really interesting. I've just stopped eating meat for a period of time. It wasn't, it wasn't like, a, it was an intuitive thing. Like, when I just went to eat, I didn't choose meat, and I didn't choose meat, and I didn't choose meat. I didn't, I didn't go, oh, I'm going to be vegetarian now. And this is the danger, you know, when I work with people, sometimes when they come to me, and I totally get it if it's for ethical or moral reasons. Um, but for me personally, I, my decision around food is to uh, pick it consciously so I know where the meat's come from. And, and also pick food that I know is going to nourish me and is what my body needs. Because you can, you can be a raw foodist, vegan, or you could be a compulsive overeater. But they still both have the same problem. They could both still have a lot of thinking around food, which is stopping them from making clear decisions around what to eat. Mm. 
And what I love that you're talking about is kind of one of the themes that we really talk about within Kitty Talks, which is really listening to that inner voice. Like I think, you know, as people, we tend to externally look for answers, whereas what I'm doing with these interviews is showing individuals that actually by tuning into their little voice, what feels right, like you said, getting quiet enough, getting peaceful enough that you can really tune in in every given moment to what lights you up, what feels right for you, then that's a beautiful, intuitive heart way or heart-spaced way of living our lives. Yeah, and it's interesting because within the personal development field, you know, there are, there are some great people out there, but I would say 90% of it, if not higher, is well-meaning people who have had their own insight in a certain area. And then what they're doing is they're selling their insights. Mm. And that might have been what worked for them. And I'm not saying there's not value in reading or listening or or taking in that information, but it's not it's never a one size fits all with anything, including food. Mm. No, there's if people if people wanna and I turn clients down because if someone comes to me, um, and I think of a guy who came to me last year, super, super fit, uh, runs marathons, really positive upbeat guy but used to work incredibly long hours and um very busy mind even in a positive way and he had candida overgrowth and he basically wanted me just to give him a diet for three months like just tell me what to eat and I'm like doesn't work like that yeah yeah I mean Part of that is is a, a stress response in the body anyway. When the body starts to manifest illness of any kind, something's out of balance. Um, and I could see that it was how he was experiencing life day to day that was causing the problem. And, and it was the whole reason I got into nutrition in the first place, that I didn't want to do the sticky plaster approach where I'm the person just mending them, like I'm the expert. There are so many experts on problems. That's all they ever become, experts on the problem. I didn't want to be that. And um, so when I work with people, they see it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not the expert. I just quiet them down for them to see it for themselves. And it's such a beautiful way to work with people because when they have insights and create change, they never go back to the way they were before, mm. ever. It's mm. not possible because where other personal development um, and other modalities, like another one I looked into, tapping, I looked at everything, <laughs> um, where you go and you put yourself into someone's hands regularly, kind of like, fix me, fix me, fix me. <laughs> takes whereas, the responsibility away doesn't it yeah that's no. right whereas yeah. what I want people to see is that and it's almost the model of you plus this amazing tool or my amazing expertise makes you super you whereas what my model says is you minus misunderstandings equals super you you're already super you it's just covered over with years of contaminated thinking mm, tuning back that's into that it pure place wonderful yeah yeah and what's really impacted me the most and one of my mentors said to me uh, I think it was about three years ago 
Like, how wonderful is it that we can go through life and realise it's about knowing less, not knowing more? Now, I'll qualify that. Knowing less means to me having a much quieter mind, like doing everything on an intuitive level, and that you can go into any given situation and not know, like not know who the other person is, not know how they're going to show up, not know what's going to happen. Like the more you can be really present and not know, think you know, then the easier life gets. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. And so in alignment with what we're sharing within these interviews, you know, we're we're showing people's journeys where sometimes they haven't listened or they haven't gone inside and external influences have, you know, things like chronic disease, things like car accidents, things that have, you know, had to shake them back into them, their own self, actually, um, and shake them back into their own being. So, yeah, no, I totally resonate with what you're saying and the work that you're doing, Sarah. So thank you so much um, for coming and sharing with us. No, it's my pleasure. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Um, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Some wonderful insights and so fascinating to hear the journey you've been on, really, and where it's led you to today. Um, all Sarah's details will be in the show notes. We'll have her website. We'll have more information um, around how you can get in touch with her. And then we'll have information about the Intuitive Woman that you're also launching. Yeah, I'd also like to add for anybody who wants to actually tap into more of what, what it is I'm pointing to about the inside out paradigm. Um, I actually, I've recorded a free 10 minute audio that people can download and that's at discoverinnatehealth.com and innates with a double N. So they can, they can download and listen to that straight away. They think they've heard something like I said. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Sarah, again, thank you so much for joining us um, and sharing your inspirational life story. Thank you, Kitty. It's been lovely. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website and become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.